word. May you be glorified and may your people be blessed. In the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. It sure is good to see y'all this morning. Amen. Amen. I want to invite you once again to turn to Acts chapter 16, uh, the passage of scripture that Pastor Harris so eloquently read. And I want to just look at from verses 20 down to verse 25. I won't read the entire text over again. But And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city. And they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. Then the multitude rose up against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, uh, and when they had made, laid many stripes on, on them, they threw them into prison, commanded the jailer to keep them securely. And, and having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. In verse 25, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. I want to shine the sermonic spotlight here on verse 25 and preach today from the subject, Midnight Testimonies. Will you say that with me? Midnight Testimonies. Amen. There, there, there's, there's something powerful, something special about midnight testimonies. Uh, about a week or so ago, I took this picket out to the movies. I, I'm very selective about the movies uh, that I watch, but I, I saw this one, the preview, and we thought it would be a good movie to see. And the title of the movie, the name of the movie is uh, Where Hope Grows. And it's about a former professional baseball player who had been cut from the Detroit Tigers. He didn't quite um, measure up, and so the team let him go. And he turned to a life of, of drinking and was kind of going down the tubes, if you will. And he goes into a supermarket, and he meets uh, this young man who works in the produce section. In fact, um, they call him Produce. He wears a name tag that says Produce. And produce has Down syndrome. And so one day, this former baseball player, this athlete, goes in, and he, he asks produce, he says, produce, he says, how you, how, how you doing? Produce says, I'm doing good. He said, even when I'm doing bad, I'm doing good. Talk about, talk about testimonies at midnight. Even... When I'm doing bad, I'm doing good. Well, today in the text, Acts chapter 16, verses verses 16 uh, through 34 actually tells the story of two preachers, Paul and Silas, who were sent to prison and, and, and there transformed the prison into a platform for preaching about Jesus. The drama unfolds like this. Paul and Silas were on their way to a prayer meeting when they were met by a demon-possessed slave girl who through the dark and deceptive
destructive powers of demons had the ability to fortune tell. As a result, people went to her in hopes uh, that their desires would be fulfilled. They went to her in hopes that their dreams would somehow or another be satisfied or realized. Uh, They went to her in hopes of having their questions answered. They went to her uh, hoping that their lost items, if you will, will be found or will be found. They went to her anticipating their past unraveled and their mysteries all solved. Like people today who turn to fortune tellers, soothsayers, Palm readers, seances, stargazing and star reading, sorceries, the zodiac, a deck of cards, all looking for hope, help, and healing. But they produce mega incomes for wicked people. And such was the case for this demon-possessed slave girl. Her fortune telling produced mega money for wicked men. Now, she made a lot of money for the men who pimped her for profit. Are you listening to me? She, she made a whole lot of men who, who pimped her for profit, who used her to get what they could out of her. And verse 17 tells us that this girl followed Paul and Silas crying. The word crying meant that she was, she was, she was proclaiming in a loud voice. She was hollering. She was screaming, if you will, these words. She, she was crying, these men are the servants of the most high God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. Everywhere they went, this girl was there and she was yelling these words. These men are the servants of the most high God who proclaim to us the way of salvation. She made this proclamation in verse 18 tells us for many days. I mean, this, she just kept going. She didn't do it one day and two days or three days and stopped, but for many days she, she kept this up. But Paul was greatly annoyed. It means Paul greatly annoyed. Mean he got to the point, the place where he was greatly annoyed. At first, at, at first, at first he just dismissed it. At first he just kind of pushed it to the side. At, at first he, he left it alone, but it kept, it kept going, it kept building. And so he, he became greatly annoyed. He was, he was agitated. He was bothered by, by this girl. And so he turned to her and he said to the spirit that was within her, he said, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And I like what what, what he said. He said, I command you, but he said in the name of Jesus. He he said in in Jesus' authority, not in my authority, but I command you in the name of, of Jesus to come out of her. And the text says, and he came out. That very hour. 
Now, why was Paul annoyed? And when you read this text, you, 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 know, you, you may not see it right away, but as you contemplate, as you think about it, as you, as, as you lean on, on, on your spiritual senses, you, you'll find out that Paul was annoyed because, because although she had the right message, she had the wrong motive. Her motive behind the message, which in and of itself was a good message, but, but her motive behind the message was not to build them up, but to tear them down. Not to build up the kingdom, but to tear down the kingdom. Her, her message was not to strengthen the ministry, but to weaken the ministry. It was not to help the mission of getting the word of Jesus Christ out, but it was to harm the mission. And so it annoyed Paul. Another reason it annoyed Paul was because everybody in town knew that this girl was wicked. I mean, I grew up in I grew up in South Carolina, and I I grew up in the era of, of of ladies who were you know on the corners and and plying their trade, and and most people who were from around that area knew them and knew what they were up to. Most people in town, if not in there, everybody in town knew uh, uh, that this girl was wicked, and and had Paul allowed her to follow them as though she was somehow promoting them and supporting their message and ministry, people would have drawn the natural conclusion that the power of light and the power of darkness were somehow or another in the same camp. That, that's why Paul was annoyed. If he, he, he understood that if, if, if people drew the conclusion that, that this girl was somehow another promoting them and supporting them, people would draw the conclusion that the power of light and darkness were in the same camp. In other words, that the gospel Paul and Silas proclaimed was somehow another connected with, joined together with, or uh, hooked up with the foolishness of magic mysticism and monkey business. Yeah, yeah. Thus crippling the efforts of Paul and Silas to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. So through the power of the Holy Spirit, Paul publicly, Paul unashamedly, Paul unapologetically, broke the connection and severed any idea of correlation between the gospel of Jesus Christ and the fakery of false religion. And, and, and I'm concerned today that, that, that we need to do a better job of, of, of helping people draw the lines of distinction between Christianity and fake religion and, and false religion. We, we need to do a better job today of helping, uh, uh, drawing the line between hocus pocus and, 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 and that which is false and fake between that which is genuinely of Jesus. 
because there, there are a lot of rabbit feet floating around and a lot of, you know, prayer claws and a lot of hocus pocus going on in religion. And, and so we need to do like Paul and Paul did. We need to break tries and publicly say we're not a part of that. Yeah, which, by the way, uh, this fakery, uh, this falseness, this phoniness was was not about saving souls, but it was all about making money and making certain people wealthy. Now, verse 19 continues, but when her master saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authority, to the magistrates, and accused them of teaching unlawful customs. A crowd of people were there, the Bible tells us, I believe many of whom had probably used the girl's services in more ways than one, rose up against Paul and Silas. And, and, and the magistrates, the Bible says, tore, tore their clothes. They were angry at Paul and Silas, and they commanded that Paul and Silas be beaten with rods and then thrown into prison. Where the Bible says the jailer was commanded to keep them securely. In other words, he said, put them in prison and then keep a close eye on them. Put, a, put, a, put, them, put them in, in confinement and make sure that you watch them. And then, having received the charge, the Bible says these faithful men of God were put into prison where their feet were fastened in the stocks. Not only did they lock them up, in prison, but they locked up their feet in order to restrict their movement. Well, as we see in the text, they may have restricted their physical movement, but they could not restrict their spiritual movement. Can I get a witness here? There's a sense in which people can restrict you physically, but they cannot restrict you spiritually. But verse 25 begins, but at midnight. I read that, that just jumped out all over me. But at midnight. You see, midnight symbolizes those times in life when things seem to be at the lowest level. Midnight is when the forces of evil appear to have trumped the forces of good. Has anybody been there? Midnight is when you have done the very best you could and it seemed that your best was not good enough. Can I get a witness here? Midnight can be a dark, a dismal, a very depressing time. Don't let nobody fool you. Midnight can be dark, it can be dismal, it can be, be depressing. But notice what Paul and Silas did doing Midnight. Verse 25 says, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns. Notice what the Bible says to God. They, they weren't singing the blues. They were singing and praying and singing hymns to God. Maybe they were singing, oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first Love me. Maybe they were singing something like, How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord. Maybe they 
were singing, oh, worship the king, how glorious above. We don't know what they were singing, but we know they were singing hymns to God. Maybe they were praying, Father, I stretch my hands to thee. No other help I know if thou withdraw thy hand from me, oh, whether shall I go? Maybe they were praying, God, we've done all that we can do. God, if you don't rescue us, we won't make it. Maybe they were praying, come back here, Lord. Come back here. We need you. In the midnight hour. They, they were praying. And singing praises to God at midnight. And get this. This is, this is interesting. The Bible says, and the prisoners. The, in other words, those who were facing midnight themselves. Those who have been taken away from their families and some maybe even rightfully so. Those who had been deemed as unfit for society were listening to Paul and Silas. Now footnote. Most of modern day testimonies are surrounded by sunshine. And, and, And you know that's good. There's nothing nothing wrong about that you hear hear people testifying about about you know God God gave me my home and th- nothing wrong with that he he did he gave us ours God gave me these cars to drive and God gave me this money and God gave me you know my health and God gave me much and, and, and that's good it all, they all have their place but some of our most powerful testimonies come not during times of sunshine, but uh, 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 come during during the very midnight existences of our lives. Some of some of our most powerful testimonies are not only when God has brought us through, but also while God is taking us through. Are you listening to me? It's all right to talk about where God has brought me from and, and to talk about God brought me through and God took me over. But, but it's just as powerful and sometimes even more powerful to talk about God is in the process. Listen, listen. I hadn't gotten through yet, but I'm still testifying that while I'm in the process, while, while I'm going through, I want you to know God is with me. It's all right to testify. Sometimes saying, I'm in a dark spot right now. It's all right to testify sometimes to say, I'm in a difficult place right now. It's, 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 it's good sometimes to be real and testify saying, I'm facing unpleasant circumstances right now. But I want you to know one thing. God is keeping me. That's a powerful testimony because somebody in the valley needs to hear that God is keeping me. I need you to understand something. Come here, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The God I serve is able to deliver me from whatever, whoever, but even if he chooses not to, I still want you to know I will not bow down to evil. That's a testimony at midnight. Are there any midnight testimonies in the sanctuary today? 
If there anybody here who knows what it's like to shout while you're down in the valley. Oh, yeah, it's, I'm going to shout when I get up out of the valley. But is there anybody know how important it is for us to shout while we're down in the valley? Every once in a while, we ought to just say to folk, just, just, I'm going to shout while I'm in the valley. I'm going to shout. I'm not only going through, but I'm going to shout my way through because God has been and God is being good to me. You know, most folk can shout while on the mountaintop. We can shout when things go our way. We can shout when, 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 when all the reports are to our liking. But God needs some. Can I tell you, God needs some midnight shouters. God needs some midnight testifiers. God is looking for some midnight praisers. Why? Because look at verse 25 again. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. The text teaches us that sometimes our midnight experiences are arranged by God. Can I get a witness here? Sometimes God teaches, the text teaches us that our midnight experiences are not because we've done anything wrong. Sometimes our midnight experiences come because we've done what God told us to do. You refuse to compromise, so you're in trouble. You refuse to do wrong, so you're in trouble. You refuse to bow down, so you are in trouble. Sometimes God arranges our midnight experiences. Why? Because somebody in the valley needs to hear a word from the Lord. Let me, let me go a little bit deeper here in the text to help you understand what I'm saying. Notice. And the prisoners were listening to them. The prisoners were in the valley. The prisoners were facing difficult circumstances. But God thought enough of the prisoners and the jailer and the jailer's family that he sent Paul and Silas with a word. How would they hear praying? How would they hear the songs of Zion? How would they hear the name of Jesus? Had Paul and Silas not had a midnight experience? Are you following this? You see, had they not had a midnight experience, how would the prisoners have heard a word from the Lord that they so desperately needed to hear. God sent them out of their way. God put them on a detour so that they could go and give their testimony at midnight. You see how God worked that thing out? You see, see how God works that out? He sent them at midnight to give their testimonies. Sometimes God will send a word to you at midnight. And then sometimes God will give you a word to give somebody during your midnight. So here's a point to ponder. Let us not waste 
our midnight experiences. Let us not twist. And we're all guilty of it. Let us not twist. Let us not turn. Let us not try to maneuver our way out of the particular tough spots and challenges God has us to face. I'm reminded of what Mordecai told Esther as she was about to face a very difficult time in her life. Mordecai said, who knows but that God has sent you for such a time as this. Esther refused to waste her midnight experience. Her people are facing extermination. But she said, I'm going to the king. And if I perish, I perish. You see, you see, sometimes we, we waste time twisting and turning and trying to maneuver our ways out of particular tough spots and, and challenges. Because, because you, we must understand that God's thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And God's ways are, are higher than our ways. And he wants us to get to the place of facing our God-appointed midnight without moaning, without groaning, without griping, and without complaining. Paul and Silas had every reason to gripe and to groan and complain. They could have said, well, you know, we, we spent all this time preaching Jesus, and look what it got us. They could have said we, we hadn't done anything wrong. They could have said we spent our time standing up, standing up, standing up for Jesus. But look at us now. And so it is. They could have, but instead of moaning and groaning and, and griping and complaining, the Bible says they just prayed about it. And they just began to sing songs at midnight. They were praying and singing, testifying to God's saving power and God's amazing grace, knowing that somehow, some way, God would see them through, but also that somebody in the, in the, in the valley needed to hear a word from God. And so this text will change our perspective on our midnights. So now when we face midnights, instead of griping and complaining, we ought to be looking around saying, God, I know you allowed me to be here. Who is it that needs to hear my testimony? I'm going through a period of sickness. Who is it that needs to hear my testimony that even though I'm sick, I still praise God. 